Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Fragments of silicon, promising to be better than a book with the last quarter missing. Welcome to another installment of Tunes to Silicon. I'm your host, Adam, and joining me as always are Gallix, Petty Fan, and Ogre. Hello. <laughs> Yellow. All right, uh, well, let's get to the news this week. Um, Ogre, why don't you start? Because, well, you've got a new Let's Play to talk about. Oh, yeah. We decided to do two co ops at a time, so it's Majora's Mask and Mega Man. So that means twice the recording. Um. Does that mean you have to, like, record twice a week now? Yep. Ah. Because Majora's Mask takes a long time, and by the time we're done, not really enough room to get in a session of Mega Man. Yeah. On the other hand, Mega Man 5 is, what, going to be, like, 12 videos, so... Thereabouts. Yeah, yeah Mega Man games go pretty fast. Yeah. So uh. that's, a, that's about two weeks, I'd say. Yeah, it should give us plenty of time. Yeah. Uh, mask is going along fine. We're just... Mm-hmm. Oh, so close to finally getting back to story. Oh, so close. So you're not even doing uh, Great Bay Temple yet? Nope. This guy tells you to do a lot of stuff in between. I guess there's a lot of stuff you can do in between. Well, I guess once you get the hook shot, the world is your oyster, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty much about it. There's something I need to talk with Adam later, but okay. that's it later. So, Should I be concerned? Uh, it'll concern a show on the 20th of July, but that's about it. Okay. Uh, uh, I'll leave it mysterious there until July 20th. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's pretty much it for me, so uh, petty. I We got a new modem and router over the weekend. We got one of those Netgear combo ones. Mm-hmm. And now my internet's working better. Yeah, I think I, I think my router's in Netgear, and it, it's been working fine for about, like, five years. Yeah. Like, our other one, the reason why we got a combo thing is because our new internet service is too fast for that router, I guess. Because <laughs> we now have 200 megabit service with our unlimited internet. Mm. So now we actually get the full 200 megabits. Mm-hmm. And a That's router nice. that has and the router that has the balls 
take care of that. Yeah. That's like, my current internet. Earlier today, all everybody in the house was hitting the router at once, and I still had full speed. <laughs> it was glorious. Um, outside of that, still kind of anxious about my sleep study on Monday. Hopefully I don't have to do another one ever again, because seriously, these are a pain in the ass. Yeah, so you told us. This is, mm-hmm. this is sleep study number three. Yes. And I also recently found out that I now have dental insurance, so after my sleep study, I'm going to start calling some dentists in town and see about getting my teeth fixed. Make sure you get one who does not enjoy hurting other people. (laughs) I'm like, you've been watching too much Little Shop of Horrors. But yeah, outside of that, just been playing Final Fantasy XIV because the 3.3 update dropped yesterday, and oh my god, this is the get good patch. <laughs> it makes things harder, or? Um, well, no, the raids are more mechanically intense now. When before, it was just if you had enough damage, you could mainly skip a lot of things. Uh. But now you actually have to try. And that's fun with pickup groups because they're not used to this. But I've been doing some end game content with our free company, so it's like this is nothing to me. <laughs> Outside of that, not a whole lot. Next. Alright, go, you're up. Uh well, as I alluded to earlier today, I was uh stopping by Bull Bull Moose to pick up uh one of my new Pathfinder books that I ordered today, and uh, it had the last quarter missing, so I had to go back after work. Uh, to. Thankfully, they were very accommodating of that, because it was a weird misprint, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I might not have even noticed, except for that the last page was the <coughs> page of the last section, so it was kind of noticeable that there wasn't anything after that. Hmm. But yeah, um, that was an extra trip out of my way that I did not enjoy particularly. Um, Not too much in video game news, just continuing to plug away at uh, Hyrule Warriors Legends and looking forward to Planet Robobot at the end of this week, I think. Isn't that out, like, Friday? Yeah, I think so. So, that should be fun, because they've been doing pretty... I mean, they're not, like, massively innovative Kirby games, but they've been been really solid, so... Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to that, and it's very cute. So, Right. Um, let's see. And I don't think... I think the thing we're reviewing this week is you and Petty, so yeah. I'll probably try and get some time in on Rive that we just got codes for. Uh, yeah, I'm not like, I'm not exactly sure when the Rive review is going to happen. Like That could be like, as late as September. <coughs> It'd be good to have some experience with it. Either that or I'll get started on the next other thing. Yeah. Uh, well, the next one is the is the multiplayer hero defense, and then we got the bridge constructor. Only I got a code there. Uh, more on that later. Okay. So yeah. Um. So I have some stuff to work on, but nothing super urgent. So. Yeah. Uh. Let's see. I guess it's my turn. Uh. Well, I own my car now. Yay. 
like, yeah, uh, add the last payment, and it's mine. So uh, how many years do you think it's got left in it? That's a good question. <laughs> it's like, it's got a lot of miles on it, like over 100,000, but that wasn't my fault. That, that was the fault of the previous owner. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they, they put a lot of wear and tear on the car and, you know, had to... It wasn't as much as I thought it would be, but, you know, like I still had to get, like, the brakes fixed and a couple other things. But I'm like, it seems to be in relatively good shape. Uh, like, it's a 2008 Ford Focus. You know, it's, you know... Uh, you know, I got it checked out like last month, and it seems to, and they said it was in good shape. Just you know, they needed to refill the Freon and the um, air conditioning. So. Yeah, it's just an it's an interesting way about how our current consumer society works, where well, people you have to buy, buy things on loan, and then by the time you own them, you've had them for a long time. Well, you know, people are holding on to their cars more now, like for longer than ever because you know cars are expensive and shit. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Uh, anyway, been busy with the show. You know, setting up. Uh, you know, season six. Uh, for those who don't know, we're going. You know, this season. This season lasts um, two more weeks. Uh, breaking on the twenty twenty first, I think. Then we we'll come uh. back. Then we come back um, early July. Like, I'd say, uh, if everything lines up, we'd probably be coming back July 7th with a multiplayer thing. Like, uh, the last show of the season is June 22nd. June 22nd. That, that's what I thought. No. Uh, let's see. And this week, um, we've, got a, we've got a Friday morning show instead of a Tuesday morning show due to schedule conflicts. But, you know, we're, we still have a part... We still have another episode in a couple of days uh, with Square Enix uh, Europe. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think we have... Uh, we shouldn't be having MSP after this. Um, Mac is... At, Mac is donating blood right now. Yeah. Or donating blood plasma. Yeah, so unless he passes out from that, um, we will have a show after this. Mm, outside of... Uh, outside of that... Uh, not much else. So merrily we shall roll along to the interview portion. And this week, uh, welcoming once again uh, Mitch Gettleman of Hairbrain Schemes to the program. Mitch? Yeah, I'm right here. Sorry. I, I was just waiting for you to say hi to me. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Uh, how are you doing tonight? I uh, am surprisingly well, <laughs> considering I got a game coming out this summer. Mm. Uh, it's like, uh, have you entered crunch time yet? <laughs> entered? Uh, yes, we have entered crunch time. Uh, I know. That, you know, like officially. Yeah, it's like. Oh yeah, official with emails and everything. Say hi to you, say goodbye to your family, sort of thing. Actually, we don't do death marches here at Hairbrain Schemes, at least anymore, uh, as the company has matured. We've matured how we make games and our processes and stuff, and we're just better at it. So, and we know, you know, that there's diminishing results mm. that you get uh, through prolonged crunch. So, we have uh, processes in place to make it as palatable as possible. That's good. That, yeah. That's good because, yeah, I've seen the studies. They say that crunch is actually a really bad thing. Uh, well, here's the thing. A lot of game companies, uh, the bigger ones especially, 
They uh, look on their employees as resources to move around and get things done. And here we look at them as talent (laughs) who make stuff, who you want to keep. You know, every time we hire somebody here, we think about it as a marriage. Uh, We want them to stay with us until uh, retirement. So we we hire long term. That's the whole idea. That's good. Uh, how many? And so in a marriage, it's best not to mess with your partner that much. Right. So, uh, how many people work at Hairbrain Schemes now? All up, including you know uh, operations, management, finance, and stuff like that. About sixty people. That's uh, fairly big for an indie studio. Yeah, I know. It's a lot of mouths to feed, too. But, uh, you know, we do what we need to do to get the job done. We don't like to work with a lot of sort of external freelancers and things like that. We really thrive on the interaction, and we don't do a lot of outsourcing. But realize also that, you know, we're making more than one game at a time. We've also got Battletech in full swing development right now, Mm -hmm. you know. And so the Necropolis team and the Battletech team, are uh, at, at peak, but well, sorry, they were roughly the same size for a while. I think there's now, as we're getting down to the wire with Necropolis, there are more people on Battletech as people from the Necropolis team uh, trickle over to that team. Mm. Makes sense, makes sense. One project is winding down and the other's ramping up. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah, like certainly heard that at other studios. Though, yeah, we're, we, didn't, we didn't invent anything, you know. <laughs> no. Just... After a while of doing this, you start to figure out what works and what doesn't. Indeed. Yeah. Right. But before we get to Necropolis, I do want to uh, follow up with uh, Shadowrun Hong Kong because... Um, yeah, please do. Um, you released a extended edition uh, a couple months ago, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, what was, uh, what was uh, in that extended package? Well, what we did was... First of all, the way that started was... Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were doing the Kickstarter for Shadowrun Hong Kong last January, or the January before last, I guess now, um, you know, we, we reached our goal, which was in the neighborhood of $750,000. We got everything that we needed to make the game that we envisioned, but people wanted to throw more money at us. And they said, come on, come up with another goal. You know, give us just something to shoot for. And we said, okay, if you hit a million dollars, we will add uh, a mini campaign uh, that follows up after the original campaign. And so that's what the extended edition is. It was born out of sort of um, uh, fan request in a way. And so, <coughs> pardon me. We, so what happens is in the uh, Hong Kong uh, extended edition, uh, it's the aftermath uh, of the uh, original campaign and you're this very high-level Shadowrunner now, very powerful Shadowrunner, um, still in Hong Kong. Uh, you're a transplant. You're kind of a fish out of water. You're from Seattle, and you're stuck in Hong Kong. And so you have to figure out if you're going to remain a Shadowrunner or if you're going to return home. So it's a very, very uh, sort of personal story that allows you to tie up loose ends and, and figure out how you and your brother are going to uh, uh, live for the rest of your lives hmm. and, and get a little revenge because <laughs> you didn't take out everybody you know there's a lot of enemies in Shadowrun Hong Kong there's a you know it's a, it's kind of a complex you know web so we wanted to give you a chance to get back to, uh, at a couple of uh, your uh, enemies from the original uh, campaign 
Oh, sounds about right. Uh, how long was this mini campaign? Like a couple hours? Well, I'll tell you how long it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be four to five hours. Now it's like six or seven hours uh, when all is said and done. Because that's us. We're idiots. We just—I mean, I love the team and everything, but when we get going on something, it's hard to stop us, you know. And we try and you know manage the scope of our games and stuff. But once you start writing, you know, like, oh, wait a minute, you know. Uh, she should really say this. We should have an option for this. And, you know, that's what happened. So uh, six six to seven hours of additional content for free. Um, uh, neat. And uh, is, uh, like, are you still, like, working on bug fixes for Hong Kong? No, we uh, we followed up with some bug fixes and stuff. But right now, uh, from what we can tell, the game is nice and stable. We're not getting any complaints on any major bugs. So the uh, Hong Kong team is now the Battletech team. Ah, uh, good to hear, good to hear. Because I remember mm-hmm. playing Hong Kong last year, and it, it had its bugs. Like, uh, Oh, sure. <laughs> Welcome to game development. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, uh, we should be nicely cleaned up. Yeah. And again, we added six to seven hours of gameplay for free. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Not everyone would do that. No, we're uh, we're pretty decent game developers. We're kind of crappy business people, but screw it. Well, you seem to be uh, keeping your head above water. One uh, step at a time. Anyway, so you know, it's like Captain Mal says on the Serenity. Now, well, we're still flying. <laughs> Indeed. Like. Uh, anyway, so getting to the present, uh, Necropolis. All right. Yeah. Uh, um, well, first of all, uh, for the uninitiated, what is this game? Uh, Necropolis is, you know, uh, the, uh, the uh, lead designer of, the, of Necropolis, when he pitched the game to Jordan and I originally, he said, okay, Necropolis answers the question of what would happen if Dark Souls and Spelunky had a baby and that baby tried to kill you over and over and over again. So Necropolis is a 3D action game. It's timing-based, kind of like Dark Souls. You have to time your attacks, and every time you take a swing, it takes a certain amount of time, you know, and you got to watch the enemy's movements. So it's that kind of gameplay. It's a real action game. Uh, married with a, a roguelite, which means it's a death dungeon. Uh, you try and get as far as you can before you die, and if you do die, you start all the way over at the beginning again and try and get to the end again. But the cool thing about it is that it's a procedurally generated dungeon. So it's not the same dungeon twice. Uh, the entire uh, necropolis rearranges itself every time you uh, start over. And so the monsters are different and their locations are different and the treasure is different and the weapons and stuff is different. So it's never really the same experience twice. Hmm. Indeed. uh, Fairly standard stuff for uh, like the rogue uh, light or light. It's like, I I always get the two confused, but you know, here's the way, here's the way to think about it. The one thing about this is, so when you start over, you lose all your stuff, all your loot, mm-hmm. except that during the course of playing the game, uh, the brazen head, who is uh, sort of the magical caretaker of the necropolis, uh, 
says that if you do uh, certain small tasks for him, if you accomplish them, he will reward you with tokens of favor. And tokens of favor allow you to buy these magical uh, tomes called codexes. And these magical codexes give you uh, unique abilities that are persistent. So once you buy that magical codex, that is yours to keep. And the, the uh, what do you call those things? The, the tokens of favor, those are persistent also. So even if you die, you keep your tokens of favor. So you can save up for, for more expensive uh, magical codexes. And the other thing that we have uh, that's also persistent, like the codexes and the... And the uh, the uh, tokens of favor is these uh, dies, and so you can change uh, the look of your character uh, by buying these dies uh, with your tokens of favor, which is cool, especially in co-op multiplayer. So you can really make yourself distinct from everybody else in the game, and the better you are at it, the cooler you look. That's die with a Y E. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, in a game like this, it's best to be more specific. <laughs> the uh, anyway, so now as far as I can tell, Necropolis here isn't like based off of any previous existing uh, IP. No, it's completely original. Um, uh, what what led to you trying out an original game? Well, it's not the first original game we've done here. Our first game was called Crimson Steam Pirates. Ah. Our se uh, second game was Strike Fleet Omega, also an original title. It wasn't until Shadowrun Returns that we actually did a licensed game, and it's always fun licensing games that your partners created, but whatever. And then with Battletech, we did the same thing. And then we also made a game called Gola Marcana, which is this hybrid tabletop uh, game, kind of like uh, Warhammer. Right. Uh, but fused with uh, an app uh, on your mobile device. So, the, you know, the mobile device teaches you how to play the game and adjudicates the rules and creates new scenarios and all sorts of stuff. So we created that, too. That's a completely original IP. So out of uh, everything we've done, it's actually the, you know, although we're very known for uh, the, Shadowrun, the three Shadowrun games and the upcoming Battletech, we've actually made quite a few games that are original. And we will continue to do that forever. We're, we're creators. And, that, and Jordan, you know, can't stop. The teams can't stop. So, yeah, it's always going to be like that. Okay, that, that's good to hear. And um, as along those lines, is Necropolis just meant to be like a video game or like would we see like a pen and paper uh, iteration at some point? No, no, no. No pen and paper for this one, at least right now. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of, By the way, I should point out the game's funny. Uh you know, it's kind of this tongue-in-cheek game. The game knows it's a game, for one thing. You know, the first thing you see in the game is, you know, behold the wall of control. And it's the controller layout is actually a hieroglyph on the wall of the necropolis, you know. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it, it doesn't take itself too seriously. If, if you ever saw Cabin in the Woods, that Joss Whedon horror movie, you get kind of the idea of the tone. And, uh, you know, it's not a very heavy story-based game either. It's sort of like as you're playing along... The brazen head will talk to you. There's graffiti on the walls that you can read that gives you clues what's going on. And you sort of piece together the story of the necropolis in a nonlinear way. But it's not like one of our Shadowrun Hong Kong games or, or, or Dragon Ball or something where there's incredibly deep, you know, 40-hour story or something like that. But it, the tone is really lighthearted because you die so often. That's why we made the art style uh, kind of light as well because... It would be a really depressing game dying so often, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm like, 
there are ways to make those amusing. I'm reminded, exactly. I'm reminded of a game we reviewed recently called Life Goes On, which was all about killing your soldiers to get to progress, and it had a dark humorous bent. And better. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so why a dungeon crawler? Well, if you're going to do a roguelike, I mean, it's it's inspired, you know, by the old rogue. So that's a dungeon crawl. And, you know, if you think about sort of justifying going into a dungeon, going, you know, into this experience and dying over and over again, you know, a dungeon just sort of made sense. And then a magical dungeon, a magical sort of death dungeon, makes even more sense when you realize that we're going to rearrange the dungeon around you every time you you play, time you die. So yeah, it just sort of worked. And you know, let's face it, uh, you know, a lot of us, uh, Dennis Detwiller, the uh, lead designer, and uh, Chris Conert, uh, the lead engineer and project lead, and Chris Rogers, Jordan, and I, you know, all of us here, you know, world school uh, paper and pencil role players also. Uh, you know, I was in the Gary Gygax era. It's that classic Gary Gygax gameplay, which is, you know, level one of the dungeon, you have level one monsters. Level two, you get level two monsters, etc. So the deeper you go in level the necropolis, the, the more dangerous. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. No, it's trappers. <laughs> yeah, with so. killing is a monster, the floor is a monster, and also Absolutely. there are monsters on the walls. Oh, no, I'm old school, man. I know. I, yeah, my first D&D game was in 78. So, yeah, that's what it is. And part of the fun of the game, by the way, is you can bypass that if, you know, at the correct time, it's possible to jump from one level of the necropolis down to a, uh, a lower level of the necropolis. Uh, you're taking your life into your hands. You're probably going to level, you know, two to level three with, you know, level two weapons, but, you know, if you think you can handle it, go for it. You know, we don't tell you how to play the game. As a matter of fact, we really don't tell you how to play the game much. A lot of the game's about exploration, you know. Like, for example, the potions uh, or magical scrolls that you find in the game, you know, it'll say something like, you know, magic potion says, you know, magic word, magic word, picture of a horse, magic word, magic word. And you got to figure out, like, all right, should I read this scroll? Because I don't know what the hell it does. And, you know, they're not all good for you. Sometimes, you know, the, a potion is poison, or it turns you to stone, or it, it makes you blind temporarily. And so it's a real risk-reward on whether you should drink that potion or, or cast that spell at that appropriate time, unless you can find scrolls of identification, just like in old D&D. And if you have a scroll of identification and you read that, everything in your inventory gets revealed to you. Yeah. And because it's a you know, uh, procedurally based game, you know, where you're going to die all the time, uh, they don't, the, you know, the potions never look the same twice. <laughs> so that uh, you can't figure out, oh, the pink one is always healing. You know, it doesn't work like that. It's always uh, a gamble every time you play. Now is the entire- it reminds you like the Binding of Isaac where there are yep. pills. And within one thing, it can be consistent. But when you start over, oh, yes. no, the white pill that was like extra harsh last time now is the one that teleports you directly to the terrible boss room. Yes, exactly that. Now, uh, speaking of which, now, is the entire dungeon set uh, randomly generated, or are there going to be, like, fixed, uh, like, say, boss rooms or something like that? Uh, not really. We think of, think of them as modules, like giant Lego pieces mm-hmm. <clears throat> that get rearranged and twisted and stuff like that. Yep. Um, there are some 
elements in there. Like, for example, there's an elevator room to take you to the next level, and that always looks the same, so you know that you've reached it, <laughs> you know? Uh, things like that. There are a couple of sort of set pieces like that, but for the most part, we just start rearranging stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, was it hard implementing the procedural generation engine? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, the good news is I'm not a programmer, so it wasn't my problem. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it's good to be the king, i got to tell you. Yeah. I'm like, you know, we, we've had people who do the procedural generation thing, and they were the coders, so... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel sorry for them, but uh, I sleep fine at night. <laughs> uh, that's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> uh, uh, well, how long has the Necropolis Project been going on uh, now? Uh, bleh, hmm. Well... I think two years. I think that's right. Uh, time blurs in game development. And at Hairbrain Schemes, we have two speeds, fast and faster. So when I started Hairbrain Schemes, you know, I thought I was in my 20s, and now I'm in my 50s. It's hard to tell. But, uh, you know, and also when the game started, when the project started, there was a small team of only three people on it. And for the first summer, then they were alone, just prototyping and figuring out what they wanted to do before... Uh, we greenlit the project and slowly ramped up more and more people. But I think two years. Hmm. Uh, that's uh, it. Definitely shows because this is among the more ambitious uh, roguelike games I've ever seen. Like, yeah, because you know when you think of rogue and the derivatives thereof, they're pretty simple games when you get down to it. Yeah, I think FTL. Uh, you know. Yeah. Or so yeah. Uh, what what some people around here like to say is, yeah, we're punching above our weight, but screw it. I'm like, well, it does help. Uh, it does help the game stand out from, like, say, Dungeon to Dreadmore or something. That is our job. Now, uh, though, on the along those lines, what else are you doing to make sure your uh, Necropolis stands out from the very crowded field? Yeah, I think uh, I think our sort of minimalist art style has a big part of it. Uh, I think the sound design and uh our trailer the goofy music in our trailers you should check those out on youtube yeah. uh that helps us stand out the comedy or comedy is not the right word the uh sardonic humor i think help us stand out and then of course the big thing is uh you know as far as i know nobody has crossed roguelike gameplay with uh 3d timing based action yeah actually, i was i was gonna say is that i don't think i've heard of or seen many roguelikes or roguelites that are 3D. Yeah, it's funny. When the game got pitched to me and Jordan, we're like, all right, well, how many, you know, how many games like this are in the genre? We're like, we haven't found any. Like, greenlit, let's go. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Damn right that makes sense. Uh, you know, in the business world, we call that blue ocean. And, you know, there aren't sharks and feeding frenzies, you know, with blood in the water or everything. We're alone here, yeah. at least a little, you know, alone enough. <laughs> yeah, and, and believe me, the, the the roguelike genre gets twisted in very, very creative uh, ways. I, I'm not Oh, yeah. Sure, like a, a game called Galaxy. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one. That's no, like, I'm not, no. That's a, that's a roguelike combined with a spaceship shooter, for example. Yeah, oh, really? That's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, see, I love that stuff. That's great. You know, first of all, there's no real uh-huh. new ideas under the sun. 
you know, I, I invite you on your audience. Hello, audience. Go to YouTube <laughs> and type in Everything is a Remix. And it's a four-part documentary. And I used to show it to my students when I used to teach game development. Uh, and everybody should watch this thing. It's great. And it just shows how, like, Led Zeppelin, nah, they didn't make that crap up. You know, everything is a remix. You know, invention is very rare. It's all about, you know, small innovations and things like that. And that's okay. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people are like, I got to invent the next big thing. Oh, my God, relax. You know what? Focus on quality. Focus on execution. No, I, I agree. Innovation for innovation's sake can be its own um, death knell. I'm looking at you, we do. Uh, like, but yeah, it, it's you know, it. it I, I've certainly heard the argument that you know, like, there's only seven stories in the world, for example. Yeah, I've heard that one. Yeah, it's like I'm not sure how true that is. Yeah, I think I've seen some analysis that that's a little bit ethnocentric. But. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> that that makes a lot of sense to me. There's only there's only seven white people stories. Yeah, I'm like. Well, straight white male. Yeah, right. Well done. Well, the the those seven stories are all X versus Y. Right. Oh, interesting. And in some uh, Asian and um, Middle Eastern country, cultures, there are more stories and folklore things that are not uh, combative. Well, I mean, I, I find that fascinating. Yeah, believe me, there's more to it. Like you know, say the role of women. And uh, fiction uh, defined until like the, the time of Jane, o- Jane Austen, but uh, that's kind of uh, out of the scope here. I mean, the, of this conversation, of the of the interview. Oh, that's too yeah. bad. But okay, I get it. Well, uh, you know, it's like I don't like to veer too off from the, you know, the actual game part. Sure. Anyway, um, getting back. To, well, speaking of story, what what is the is there a plot to the to the Necropolis? Uh. Plot, yes, uh, uh, I would say there is a plot. You know, the difference between plot and story, the way when I was in school, what they taught me was the story is the king died and then the queen died, right? And this is what happened to the land. But uh, plot is the king died and the queen died of grief, you know, and suddenly, oh, okay, that's, that's a much different thing. So, you know, there is an idea uh, going on in the necropolis. I mean, the necropolis isn't all that it seems the brazen head isn't exactly all he seems. Uh, he didn't create the necropolis. The, crea- the necropolis was actually created by the Archmage Abraxas uh, thousands of years ago. And, and uh, I don't want to give too much away, but, you know, thousands of years ago he made it, and then he disappeared. Is it mostly stuff you'll find out gradually through play all and, stuff and you're getting gonna further find in out the game? Yeah, absolutely. And there's not a lot of it. It's a thin story. This game is really about killing shit, <laughs> you know, and taking their stuff and finding cool uh, loot and upgrading yourself and trying to get farther and farther down. All you're trying to do is get to the bottom of this thing so you can find the exit. And this is, you know, we've got a nice sort of thin wrapper to it that's kind of funny and kind of interesting and mysterious. And you sort of piece it together as you go, but you're not going to find, you know, big storybooks that you read low and, you know, in the land of Uruhel, that you know, blah, blah, blah. That's not happening, right? 
Instead, the brazen head will talk to you. He'll tell you some stuff along the way as you go. And then you start reading graffiti on the wall from other adventurers who've been in the necropolis. And you can start piecing, piecing together what's going on. That's it. Now, is the dungeon set up like Diablo, where there's a central town and a very deep dungeon kind of deal? Nope. No, nothing like that at all. You start basically at the top of a pyramid, mm-hmm. and you start working your way down uh, lower and lower. And uh, there are different sort of, for lack of a better word, biomes and things like that. It turns out the necropolis isn't quite as straightforward as it first appears and that the Archmage is actually an incredibly powerful Archmage who's able to... It's basically a pocket dimension where he can put in all the trophies that he's found all over the, the uh, different dimensions in one place. Ah. So you never know. I think this is really part of the real fun of the game, having watched people play it as much as I have. You, know, you start out going, okay, I get to kill a monster. Oh, that's a cool monster. Oh, wait. Oh, I like this sword. Oh, this, one. oh, this one's faster than the other one. Oh, this one's got lightning. Oh, interesting. Et cetera. And then you start, you get to the next floor. It's like, whoa, this looks way different than the first floor. And you start to sort of anticipate, I wonder what I'm going to see next. And that, for me, is a lot of fun, you know, because because we're not constrained to make make it coherent. Because the Archmage can do whatever the hell he wants, we can do whatever the hell we want. We can have monsters from all sorts of different places, you know, in our game setting. And the look and feel is cohesive, but they behave dramatically different. They're just bizarre and goofy. So you just never know what you're going to get, and you just look forward to seeing the next thing. That's interesting to hear. It's not all, say, Egyptian-themed or whatever. Oh, no, like that at all. <laughs> and there is no town. There are no NPCs to talk to. There are vendors in the game that you can get stuff from. But, yeah, you're not going to go around chatting and doing branching dialogue or anything like that. Okay. You're going to go kill. <laughs> okay, so this is just... Oh, I'm sorry. You're going to go die again and again and again. There you go. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be a little from column A, a little from column B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, well, let's hope. I've gotten progressively better at the game, but I've never beaten it. Wow, that's... Uh, well, how, uh, like, how many floors are there uh, supposed to be in this necropolis? Well, it, it's it's still uh, changing a little bit. Nine-ish? Something like that? But remember, it's a pyramid, so they get progressively larger, too. Mm. So the number of levels is less relevant, you know? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, let's see. Now, uh, what kind of classes are you going to have in Necropolis? Uh, it's not a class-based game. That's not the way it is. You are playing a, uh, a nameless, uh, uh, adventure, uh, what we call a blackguard. And, uh, you can change your body type from male to female and change, uh, sort of the look of your clothing a little bit. And then you play the game and that's it. Oh. So otherwise your abilities are determined by things you find or stuff. That's exactly it. You don't level up. You don't choose skills or abilities. This isn't an RPG, right? It's a it's a 3D action game mixed with a roguelike. That's it. And the focus really helps. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. I, I do. It's like because uh, now is there a crafting system? Yeah, there is a crafting system. Thanks for bringing it up. Uh, so just about every monster that you kill drops something, you know, torn flesh or whatever. 
And uh, you start the game with a certain number of recipes for things you can craft, and you can get more over time, and you might be able to get some from a vendor, that kind of thing. And, yeah, you can craft stuff. Uh, one of the interesting things about the, sort of the combat system is we have a stamina meter. And every time you do anything, run, jump, swing your sword, dodge, uh, that affects your stamina, uh, including these power attacks that we have. And this is a little different than, for example, Dark Souls. You can hold down the attack button, either the light attack or the heavy attack button, and, and when your sword glows, you can perform this power attack that, you know, basically is an area effect attack, but it's very different from every single, for every single weapon you get. All the animations in the game are unique to the weapon uh, that you're using. And, uh, but uh, when you use a power attack, it permanently lowers your stamina until you eat, and then you can raise your stamina back up. So eating is a very important mechanic in the game, and you could actually craft food as well. And there's, you can find rotten food in the dungeon, too. Here's an example of the timing-based nature of the game. Uh, as you're playing, you, you can stumble across you know, rotten food, and you're like, well, I've got to eat something. I'll eat this. And you eat it, and there's a percentage chance that you'll just start vomiting, right, which takes time. And if you vomit and be taking some hits, so it's that kind of risk-reward that you're constantly thinking about in the game. Hmm. So, yeah, there is a crafting system in the game. Uh, what else? So we already talked about the persistent elements in the game. And then, of course, there's you know in a uh, nice quick in-and-out co-op multiplayer, too, for up to four players. See, that, that's another thing that really stuck out at me, because there's not a lot of roguelites out there that are multiplayer. You know, I'm not aware of any that are. I, I have to imagine there are, but forgive me, I don't know. Still, that's another, you know, that's another unique feature. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, what's funny is when we started the, the project, we didn't have co-op in the plan. Uh, we just made a... Hey, and then some moron. <laughs> hey, what if this was co-op? What would it be like? Well, how hard would it be to hack it real fast so that we can just play the prototype? And so, uh, not that long. Like, well, let's give it a try. And... Uh, one of the things that we did as part of that prototyping process was we left friendly fire on. So even though it's a co-op game, you can still damage your friend. And we started giggling. We're like, well, this stays. <laughs> you know, if you're giggling when you're playing a game, keep it. Whatever that is, keep that. That's not a bug. That's a feature. Oh, now, that brings back some memories with uh, playing co-op with my brothers and, like, Double Dragon with the Double Dragon 2. Oh, yeah. With, with like, the damage on them, like... Those kind of ended in fistfights. Perfect. Then we've done <laughs> and our we do job. also have in our presence the absolute expert at chucking people into the lava in New Super Mario Brothers <laughs> games. Yeah, I'm like, Ogre's probably going to assassinate us when we review this. Oh, probably. <laughs> you know, so what's interesting is, you know, some of the weapons, you know, are of different lengths mm -hmm. than others. We have short swords, but we also have great swords. And those have serious range, so you better watch that. And also... Those uh, power attacks are air attacks, so you got to watch that. Now, but have... the other thing is, you know, when you open a magical chest, so to speak, and this brand new suit of armor pops out, only one pops out. So oh. who gets it? Now, you, you, you can sort of, uh, everybody gets a share of the treasure, the, the gems that pop out, but the weapons and equipment, you have to um, work that out yourselves. <laughs> oh, the... It's like, I'm, I'm kind of glad this game, 
Well, okay. Is this game local co-op, or multi, uh, online co-op, or both? No, it's just online co-op. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm kind of glad that it, it, it is online co-op, or else, yeah, I, I see. Fist fights. Yeah, I see blown orbital sockets. <laughs> yeah, for me it was a bad rotator cuff, but let's move on. God. Uh, now, uh, this game is not only a, uh, coming to the PC, but to the uh, Xbox One and PlayStation 4, correct? Correct, correct. And that's happening via our uh, Bandai Namco, correct? Uh, the console games are published by Bandai Namco, but the original PC game is published by Harebrains. Okay, and are they helping out with the porting process, or are you guys handling that? No, we're doing everything. Okay. And now, is the game built in Unity? Yes, it is. Hmm. Like, I'm assuming Unity 5 and all that? Yeah, yeah. And, um, now, I think this is the first uh, time I can think of that you guys are developing on consoles. Uh, has it been easy to adapt to, the like, the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4? Uh, adapt? Yeah, I'd say adapt. It's not so much that. Uh, you know, it's, uh, we've never shipped a game with such stringent technical certification requirements. And so there's a lot of hoops that you have to jump through, uh, to ship on a console. And, you know, I've shipped a lot of console games. I, you know, I ran Xbox Live Arcade, you know, so I used to publish a lot of games and do a lot of games. And I used to, you know, make Xbox 360 games. But again, I'm not a programmer. I can just tell them, hey, by the way, there's a lot of hoops that you got to jump through, you know. Uh, and also, I would say, you know, Unity and consoles is kind of a new concept. So there's some growing pains there, too. Mm, I, I, I've heard some tales. You know, like, you know, like people playing uh, like PlayStation 4 versions games and performance and all that. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, but... Uh, let's see. Um, uh, what about the music? Uh, who's creating the music for this game? A man named John Everest, who's a great composer. He did the music for Shadowrun Dragonfall, about half of that, and all of Shadowrun uh, Hong Kong. Um, and he's gotten a lot of praise and accolades, and uh, he's a joy to work with. He's also working with us on uh, Battletech as well. Mm. And what kind of uh, musical mood is he striking for Necropolis? Is it uh, you know, something... Um, ambient, or is it something a bit more like sardonic? Given the, the yeah, I would say it's more. I would say more ambient, mm-hmm. um, but really moody, and uh, I would use the word mysterious. I think that's the best word to use. It's mysterious music, and I never get sick of it, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like John's work. It, it, everybody here does. It's cool. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, he, he scored a number of your games so far. Yeah. So. It, yeah, I'm excited about his work on BattleTech because he's going to be uh, recording that with an orchestra. Ooh, uh, like a uh, a full orchestra, old tracks kind of deal, or just like some and. No, well, he's going to be adding some uh, non-orchestral music on top of it, like synthesizers and stuff like that. But no, he's actually recording in Budapest, Hungary. Oh, with wow. the Budapest Symphony, yeah. Yeah, what that uh, was that a Kickstarter goal? No, no, we just like it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, no, we just you know. Uh, here's the thing, you know. I've been making games a, a, a kind of a stupidly long time, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people put a lot of time into the design and into the code and into the art 
and into the writing. And sometimes people overlook sound. And you don't use that many senses when you play a game. And if you ignore the ears, you know, you're really doing yourself a disservice. And that's why I like working with John and Rob Pearsall, our, our uh, uh, audio director, too. You know, uh, it's really important to us as the company mm-hmm. that we really has evolved. So, it, you know, are we where we want to be? Not yet, but we really aspire to make great sounding games. That's good to hear. Like, yeah, and a lot of... Uh... A lot of games do, you know, ignore sound. Uh, anyway, so a couple of our uh, audience members are asking about a release date on uh, Necropolis. I'm yeah, not- let them ask. Let them ask. Now, we're going to uh, – forgive me, audience members. We love you. Yeah, well, officially it's coming out this summer, and summer starts uh, June 21st and then September 21st. It will definitely be between those two goals, and uh, we should have an announcement very soon, very soon. Um, there you go. Um, yeah, sometimes people, you know, it's like it's better to announce the, this when you're ready. In fact, uh, I recall, uh, like I recall getting a press release about this game releasing back in March, and that got delayed. Well, uh, yeah, you can call it. Well, it, it is delayed. Yeah, but what happened was we just decided, you know, once we signed up with Bandai Namco to uh, do the console versions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it changes how you uh, resource the game, how you know what you're doing at a certain time. And it takes a lot of people to do that stuff. So we decided we wanted to sim ship them all at one time, and so that's why we delayed, and uh, so that we could put resources toward the console version, which we had to take off of the place uh, of a PC version, while still fixing bugs and, and tweaking the PC version. Mm-hmm. So. That's why we did it. You know, will we end up doing it? You know, I don't think anybody cares about sim shipping a game. Not that. They, you know, only developers do in order to maximize your marketing. So it's all a matter of when do I get my game? You know, I'm an Xbox guy. When do I get my Xbox version? And I'm a PlayStation person. And I, you know, when do I get that? So, you know, we'll have an announcement very soon. Yeah. I'm um, like, uh, CC, uh, see, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Necropolis is a co-op multiplayer game up to four people, correct? Correct. Ah. Now, uh, was four players the maximum amount of people you could do, or is that the number that felt right? That's the number that felt right. That's why we made that decision was based on I'm sure that we work Oh, you're starting to be four yeah, yeah, hang on. You're starting to fade in and out and getting all staticky. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, our guest is having some technical problems. We're trying to get to the, the bottom of this. Oh, you blew the email. Uh oh. Uh oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, Petty fan, uh, Galix, can you speak? I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, could be a loose headset. Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, there, there. Yeah, I'll tell you what. 
Yeah, there you go. There you go. I removed the headset. How's that do? Yeah, you're coming in clear now. Yeah. Oh, great. All right. Well, then let's go on. So the the last thing that I remember saying uh, was that uh, uh, the the co-op multiplayer scales based on how many players are actually in the game. Okay. Uh, at, now, when you say scales, is that like number of monsters, uh, strength of monsters uh, kind of deal? Uh, I'm just going to use the word difficulty and let the uh, players find out themselves. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Uh, once again, uh, clearly so, uh, like some of the audience members came in late. Uh, CCCM89, uh, there are no classes archetypes in this game. No. It's like... Uh, it's just, you play as one nameless adventurer mm-hmm. called the Blackguard. Yes, and y- y- your skill set's kind of based on what you find. I'm sorry, you you actually broke up that time. Oh, sorry. Uh, technology. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Believe Good me. Times. Yeah, you know it's like and you know live broadcasting. So. Uh, and none of you can see that I'm actually buck naked right now. Uh, I'm like, oh my. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, getting back on track here. Um, now, what about? Do I get off the nakedity thing? Okay, go ahead. No, it's more um, pricing. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What, what pricing uh, are you aiming for for uh, nakedity? It, uh, it's not aiming. It, it is. It's twenty nine ninety nine on all platforms. Okay, uh, that's a you know that's a fairly sizable uh, price. Uh, sizable? Yeah, maybe so. I mean, there's a fair a fair amount of gameplay in there, and it's uh, highly replayable, and it's got co-op multiplayer. So we thought it was fair. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we're getting more questions. Uh, is there an option to disable codexes to make a future run more difficult if you ever feel the need to go back to a more basic adventure? Absolutely. The way that works is uh, there are these. Uh, sort of libraries in the game called the uh, scriptorium. Mm-hmm. So when you restart the game, even if you've bought a codex, you start out with no codex equipped. And one of the first things you can do is just walk up to the scriptorium and decide which codex to use, mm-hmm. right? Because, of course, you can get multiples over time. So you could just start playing the game without uh, equipping a codex at all. And luckily, there's a scriptorium on every level so you could decide to add one or take it off or switch between them. Good question. Indeed. Uh, and along those lines, are there maybe codexes that make things intentionally harder? No. Uh, I mean, we're dicks, but we're not that big of dicks. Uh, you'd be surprised how masochistic people get. Uh, I, no, no, I don't. But uh, <laughs> no, in this case, no. We thought that you know, taking you know, letting you drink a potion that blinds you is good enough. Yeah. Right, and uh, so somebody's asking about the multiplayer matchmaking. Uh, how does that work? Uh, oh, that's easy. There isn't any. It's friends invite only. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think that's about. Um, I think that's about it for audience questions, at least that I can see. Cool. Those are good questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Um, are there any updates you can give us on Battletech at this point? Uh, sure. Um, one thing you can do, by the way, for this audience, mm-hmm. uh, we, uh, Hairbrain Schemes, uh, every single month, uh, the third Wednesday of the month, which actually was today, we do a Battletech live streaming uh, Q&A 
with our audience on uh, our sister uh, company station, Hyper RPG uh, on Twitch. And Hyper RPG, just for the record, uh, has 60 hours of game programming every week. Um, all sorts of things, from role-playing games uh, to streaming, you know, when we play games, you know, play board games. Uh, there's a daily talk show, kind of like today's show, for two hours every day. And so uh, we get on there and we take questions from the audience uh, from uh, BattleTechGame.com, which is our forums. Mm-hmm. And there's a specific topic uh, every month. This week, it, uh, this month was uh, Melee and how it's going to work in our game. And the first half hour is us taking questions that have been pre-written. And then the second half hour is taking questions right from chat, right from the live audience. And those are available uh, on the Hairbrain Schemes and the Hyper RPG uh, YouTube channels. And uh, today's will be up probably tomorrow on YouTube. But also, if you subscribe to Hyper RPG, you can also right now get it on video on demand. So there's a lot of content uh, up there already. We also do Kickstarter updates uh, regularly for our Kickstarter backers that we also publish on uh, BattleTechGame.com. So uh, our players or our, our followers, I guess for lack of a better word, and our backers uh, really are staying in the loop on what's going on. In terms of what's the update now, we are working towards uh, our, a major milestone that we call Combat Vertical Slice, where we really t- we take the uh, prototype that we settled on. You know, we did about seven different prototypes for how combat would work in the game. We, uh, we decided which direction we should go, and now we are doing a full sort of vertical slice of combat so that we can uh, play a, a mission from beginning to end with uh, the correct interface and with the game looking like we want it to look when it ships, all sorts of stuff. So that's the big thing that we're working on right now. Mm. Sounds good. Uh, le- well, we got more uh, Necropolis questions. Um, cool. Okay. Uh, uh, are there any weapons, loadouts you, c- you could find that focuses on risk reward play styles, like sacrifice health for a massive attack, or just power up the, uh, just power up the lower your health, uh, something like that. Well, there, uh, sort of, yeah. I mean, and there, you know, I don't want to give too much away, but there, there is, uh, let's just say, the generic concept of vampirism that you can suck health from the enemy. Um, the the weapons in the game. Uh, first of all, let me just tell our audience that there, are, uh, you know, you can carry. Two things, uh, sorry, one thing in your left hand and one thing in your right hand, right? And so, and you can keep one uh, left-handed thing in your backpack uh, that you can switch between and one right-handed thing in your backpack that you can switch between. It's kind of like Halo, right, where you can only carry two weapons. So you can carry, you know, a sword and a giant warhammer, right, and switch between those just by hitting D-pad left, uh, D-pad right, sorry. And then on your left hand, uh, you carry a shield, and then you know by D-padding you can uh, switch that out with a pistol grip shot, uh, a crossbow, mm-hmm. or uh, a magic wand and that kind of thing for ranged attacks. Um, and then in terms of just sheer risk reward, uh, you know there's a, the the way the weapons and, and everything work in, works in the game. We don't really tell you much about them. You know we sort of describe them to you, and then you sort of play them yourselves and figure out what the hell they do. Um, but the risk-reward really is about the timing of the attack. You know, the slower, uh, faster weapons, slower weapons 
heavier and lighter weapons. The heavier weapons knock down enemies. The lighter weapons don't. The length of the weapons and the longer weapons can actually sort of do area effect. Uh, that's not the right word. Sweep. You get hit more than one enemy at a time. You know, so there's all sorts of variations within there. Right. And then there's special effects on top of that. So lightning, fire, cold, that kind of thing. Mm, elemental affinity. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, you know, you take a weapon away from an enemy, try and use it on him, well, it might not be as effective as using it on another enemy, so you might want to switch weapons, that kind of thing. Oh, you know what I forgot to mention? The enemies, uh, some some of the monsters in the Necropolis are actually natural enemies. <laughs> and so part of the fun is sometimes you can kite one enemy towards another and let them duke it out, and when you're done, you can kill the survivor and take everybody's treasure. Ah, that brings back memories of Doom. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Have you played it's the new Doom, nice by the way? way. Hmm? Anybody oh, play the new Doom? Uh, I haven't had the time. Oh, uh, I think that's the next game I'm going to play. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to get it, but money's tight. Yeah, yeah it, looks, money. it looks like a really good really good um, entry in the style of game of the original Doom. They modernized it without making it completely different. Yeah. They yeah, modernized it too. without making it a military shooter. It, yeah. It's the Bravo. Yeah, it, it's the Doom we should have gotten with Doom 3. Thank you. All right, well, cool. I look forward to that one. Yeah. Anyway, Sorry to uh, cut you off and talk about somebody else's game, but I'm no, kind of excited that, about that one. Believe me, it wouldn't be this show without some digression. All right, very well. But Plus, it makes things, it keeps things uh, natural and fluid. Yeah, it just doesn't make me much of a good salesman, that's all. <laughs> uh, don't worry. Uh, anyway, uh, along those lines, somebody's asking if you could dual-wield shields. Dual wield shield, like a shield on each arm? Yes. Yeah. No, shields only go on the left arm. Okay. Um, That's slightly unfortunate, but understandable. Yeah. Unfortunate. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, the cool thing, though, is also you can do shield bash as well. So if you hit the shoulder button, you, you know, you do a shield block. But if you hit the, the left trigger, uh, then you can shield bash and, and knock down an opponent and stun him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see, uh, another question. Uh, can you host your own multiplayer servers? No. Okay. Uh, let's see. Are there going to be stealth elements involved in this game? Uh, not per se. It's not a stealth game. It's a mm-hmm. kill-fucking-everything game. But uh, some of the enemies, if they have their backs to you, you can creep up on. And uh, are there, like, invisibility potions? There are. So, yeah, consider that light stealth elements. Oh, stealth light, I like that. Not not stealth in the sneak around without a, without a right. killing anything. Yeah. But no, it's sneak around stealth and is kill in, oh, thank God anything. I can get past this monster. <laughs> uh, there are a couple of monsters, at least for me right now, that are, oh, thank God I don't have to fight that guy. <laughs> yeah, someone is asking, uh, smoke bombs? Uh, not, uh, they're not smoke bombs, but there are grenades that you can craft in the game. Interesting. Uh, That's fun. Uh, here's a scenario that happened to me, uh, just recently. Um, I was playing, I got to, I, I think I was on about level six. I was really on a roll and I got into this area, uh, that I won't describe to you except to say that there was a rocky ledge in the area and I had one of those codexes that I had bought with the persistent currency, the tokens of favor, and I bought it, and it gave me the ability to super jump. So I jump up to this ledge, 
and there there are a metric fuck ton of enemies underneath me. Like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, how am I going to do this? And there's a lot of that in the game. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, how am I going to get past this? Uh, and I'm up there, and I realize that I have enough crafting materials to craft a bomb. Uh, and I had a couple of potions, but I didn't know what they did. But I realized, oh, my God, I've got uh, a scroll of identification. So I identify the potions, one stone skin, like, yes, and another one's, uh, I think it was berserk. And so what I did was I uh, first threw the bomb at the enemies. Then I cast berserk, which made them attack each other. Then I cast stone skin, and then I jumped down and started whacking on them. That's what you can do in Necropolis. All right. Uh, all right. Uh, I guess 23 asks, um, are there any future DLC concept plans, such as dual wheel, larger assortment of ranged weapons, adding a cantana? So uh, we do have the concept of DLC, uh, and we'll see what happens. In terms of uh, uh, dual wielding and stuff, like, uh, something specific like that, no, not, not right now. That, that's a serious effort because... This game is very, very animation-based, so uh, that would change our system, and that, that's actually very, very challenging. But we do have the idea of uh, adding uh, sort of new locations, uh, and we're actively uh, concepting that stuff right now. None of it's done. Uh, we've got an idea for uh, a new type of character for you to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, new weapons and new spells and stuff. So yeah, we plan, you know, in success to add stuff over time. But it's not the sort of thing, you know, like you get uh, you know, complaints about on the Internet all the time. It's like, look, it's, it's on the disc. You just need to unlock it. That, to us, is bullshit. And we're gamers, and yeah. we're not doing that. Yeah. So no DLC that we will release, we held back. You know what I mean? Right. Because we're in the land of bullshit there. Yeah. <laughs> well, guess what anything really wants a katana? Uh, <laughs> noted. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. And uh, another qu- guy asks, um, can you dual wield with your uh, fists or uh, like a? Um, no, you cannot. You cannot attack with just your fists. You're carrying a weapon at all times. Like or a fist type weapon, like I guess uh, brass knuckles or a punching dagger. Uh, not, not yet. That's something. Maybe I'll look into for DLC. That's kind of cool. Okay. <laughs> maybe include a fish type weapon. Yes, a fish. Excellent, like a Monty Python fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, or what? Or I just talked to somebody who worked on, um, oh crap, uh, uh, Saints Row. Oh. You know, you can run around with a giant rubber dildo and stuff right. like that. So that's another concept that we're not going to actually act on. Well, I, I assume this game is being rated like T for teen. That's right. That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah, that that would make sense then. But I would say that's an innovation. That's the first time I've ever heard about that in a game. So congratulations to Volition on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just announced a new game. Oh, did they? Yeah, like um, Angels of uh, Agents of Mayhem or something like that. Oh, I'm not aware of it yet. Yeah, uh, you know the problem with that... making games, especially at the this late in the process, is you really have your head up your own ass when you're making a game, and you forget that anything else exists, including lunch. <laughs> Well, you have to focus on things, or it doesn't. The game doesn't get done. So yeah, I'm afraid so. Yeah, it's like you know, um, you know, our position is like journalists, the media. We have to keep abreast of like what's going on for E3 and all that stuff. Speaking, yeah, of, yeah, is the game going to be at E3? Damn right. 
Right. Mm. Uh, sure is. It'll be shown in the Bandai Namco booth, mm-hmm. and it'll also be uh, shown uh, in the Xbox booth. Mm. Uh, neat. And I'm assuming it's going to be playable? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's not playable, we're in real trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's good to know. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, does anyone have uh, any final questions? Uh, um, I think I've had most of my questions were pretty well answered. Uh-huh. Yeah. Same. All right. And most. I think of you the, guys did a good most job. Most of the further audience questions are are very specific. Yeah. Uh, weapon type questions. So. Ah. Uh, okay. Well, there are sides. There are war hammers. There are battle axes. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, guess twenty three. Um, this interview started. To... Oh, okay. Uh, we got one. Uh, will there be an art book? Uh, not planned, but maybe someday. Yeah. Yeah. Guess... Your art style is pretty neat, so that might actually be Thank worth you. it. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. 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 I I really love our art team. Uh, you know, the concept of the game was uh, art concept of the game was created by uh, Mike McCain and Chris Rogers. And then uh, taken over by Fiona Turner, who's been doing some great new characters. And Doug Magruder is our, this out of the way, is our uh, lead animator uh, with Holly Mengert and uh, and uh, her buddy Jacob. That's the way we like to talk about him. Um, but yeah, it, there's plenty of people on the art team. But those are those ones that are kind of visible to you. And then there's those invisible artists who do technical art. Uh, and they're doing great work too on lighting and you know. Uh, environment things like that mm. like my buddy matt right uh are there going to be any animal familiars in this game <laughs> that is a very specific question there will not be animal familiars in the game okay and finally will there be any other uh merch uh surrounding necropolis there's. Uh, I'm glad you asked. We're going to announce this soon, but screw it. There will be a collector's edition. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. And yeah. can you detail what's in the collector's edition? Yeah, I could. I'm just not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. So but cool. look for an announcement from us soon. But uh, it's, it's kind of cool. It's kind of yeah. cool. Well, on that note, um, you know, <laughs> uh, Mitch, uh, it was lovely having you on the program again. Uh, yes, I, I'm sorry to say that this interview has come to an end. It's been going on for about an hour now, so if you missed anything, uh, be sure to check out the recorded version, which will po- be posted um, sometime after this is all done. Um, you know, we'll, Good commitment. Yeah. We'll, it, goes up, it goes up automatically pretty quickly. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's like it's just we have to wrap up all the recording and all that stuff. And Oh, that's you know, neat, like, though. Yeah. And, you know, we'll have the postings on the social media, and I'm sure uh, you you guys will retweet that and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like, um, Guest 23, it'll be posted on the Talk Shoes site and on iTunes and hopefully soon on Google Music. Um, still trying to get that worked out. Anyway... Um, on that note, uh, Mitch, uh, it was uh, great having you on uh, the program again. We're looking forward to Necropolis. Hopefully we can review it when it's uh, ready to go. Damn right. Yeah. and um, I will make we'll, it happen. Yes, yeah, like, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on the program again uh, when um, Battletech is uh, in a completed, uh, in a more complete state. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
No, it's cool. I like coming on here because your guests ask good que- or your your uh, your audience asks good questions. So that's cool. Well, that's good. Yeah, it's always good when they when they are prepared with very specific questions like that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Awesome. So yeah, that'll about do it for this installment of Fragments of Silicon. Be sure to join us um, if you can on Friday morning, eleven o'clock a.m. European guest. Um, we'll be we'll be welcoming Phil Elliott of the Square Enix Collective here again. Uh, looking forward to that. They have a whole slew of games to talk about. Um, be sh- uh, Sunday we're reviewing the game uh, Tasty Lethal Tactics, and be sure to join us after this program for uh, Moonhawk Studios presents. Um, and on that note, uh, good gaming. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.